This song gives me chills every single time I hear it. Adashina Koiki for the A Lot of Sports Talk podcast. This is episode number six, and if you can't tell by the tune, this show will be and is all about soccer, and specifically the 2014 FIFA World Cup that has gotten underway in Brazil, with Brazil and Croatia kicking off the 20th installment of the FIFA World Cup. We have two guests for you on this podcast, one with a Brazilian take and one with a Croatian take. The Brazilian take comes from award-winning and acclaimed New York City filmmaker Peter Azen. Now, He is based in New York City, Azen is, but he was born in Brazil, spent the first 19 years of his life in Brazil, specifically in Rio de Janeiro, and he has aligned himself with the thousands of Brazilians and Brazilian natives that are boycotting the 2014 FIFA World Cup. So we asked Peter his take as to why he's boycotting the World Cup, why he thinks Brazil winning the World Cup may actually make things worse for the citizens of Brazil and the infrastructure structure in brazil so a very interesting take a pretty lengthy interview but a very insightful interview that we have with filmmaker peter azen on the brazilian side on the croatian side we talk with Mirella Rossini. She is the owner of the bar Veslo. Uh, she is a Croatian native born in croatia and now a bar owner in new york city and it is the hot spot for Croatians and Croatian Americans in New York City to gather and watch Croatian soccer and just have a pretty good time. So this interview that we did with Mirella was on Wednesday before the game between Brazil and Croatia. So we definitely hope you enjoy this interview, enjoy our podcast, and we will see you at the end of the show. One day from now, it'll be Brazil and Croatia opening up the 2014 FIFA World Cup in Brazil and here in New York City and a lot of places across the United States and the world. There will be so many people huddled up in bars and restaurants and in uh, people's houses and apartments to watch their favorite teams and their country of ethnicity play in the FIFA World Cup. Right now, we're at the bar Veslo in the Astoria section of Queens. It is one of the hotspots and maybe the hotspot for Croatians and Croatian Americans to mingle. And right now we are joined by the owner of Veslo, Mirella Rossini, and we thank you so very much for joining us as Croatia getting ready uh, to play tomorrow. And first of all, how are you doing today? Wonderful. Just getting ready for this game tomorrow. We're so excited that we're going to (laughs) win. Describe, now first of all, I love the confidence that you're going to win. Describe the atmosphere here for a Croatian soccer event. Now, being here a couple of years ago, it was just amazing. Madness in a good way. Just describe for people that aren't here, what is this place like during a Croatian soccer event? It's crazy. It's loud. People screaming, yelling, uh, singing. Uh, It's just an insane, insane environment. It's wonderful. You scream too, right? Everybody screams. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Croatians all scream. (laughs) (laughs) Now, well, you still have a pretty uh, immaculate voice despite all the screaming that you've done. Um, How long have you owned this bar? We've owned uh, Vesla for four years now. Four years. And um, did you imagine being, having this place being the it spot for Croatians and Croatian Americans being here? Just talk about your vision when you first um, owned the bar and how that vision has unfurled in the past four years. 
Well, this is exactly what we wanted to do with the uh, with Vesla. We wanted people to come. We want we wanted local people to come. Crowds. Uh, we wanted Croatians to get together. And uh, we want a family. We wanted to build a family, and I think that's what we've done. We've accomplished that. Now, Veslo actually is a word in your dialect and your language. Can you just um, explain that a little bit more? Veslo means or. Uh, Croatians are fishermen. We love fish. We love to eat fish, and that's one of our specialties here in Veslo. And I'm guessing, oh, I was about to say, yeah, fish um, you do here in Veslo. Um, I can see a couple of the, uh, a few of the oars here um, above our heads on the ceiling, and it just is an amazing atmosphere, and you have all the flags um, hung up at the bar um, as well. Uh, once again, Mirella Rossini, the owner of the bar Veslo, here in the Astoria section of Queens, joining us on a lot of sports talk, and you talked about Croatians and how they're fishermen. Um, I want to ask you how long, uh, born in Croatia, correct? I was born in Croatia. I was six when I came here, and I've gone back every year since. Describe Croatia for those that haven't been. It's just a beautiful place. The water, green. It's not even, it's just amazing. you got to see it to believe it. Uh, people are very friendly. They're very welcoming. You walk down the street, everyone's just going to say hello to you. They're going to give you a hug. <laughs> They're going to ask you <laughs> for some wine. If you want to drink some wine, <laughs> they'll offer you food and drink. You do that too? Yes, we do. <laughs> uh, it's it's so much fun being here. And for uh, one of our stories that we did a couple of years ago, it was during the uh, Euro 2012 uh, championships. It was Croatia and against Italy. And we experienced that a whole lot. And we also experienced wall-to-wall uh people here um, at Veslo. So um, how do you draw all of the Croatians and Croatian Americans here to Veslo? Is there any sort of magic word of mouth? Like how do you draw so many um, of your compatriots here? It's magnetic. Everyone follows. Everyone, once, once they start coming, they just keep coming. And it's a great place to be, uh, to have everyone together and enjoy being together and watching a great game, any, any games, whether it's soccer, um, hockey, baseball, football, anything. Are there actual magnets here? Uh, yes. <laughs> Where are they? <laughs> me, me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mirella is the magnet that brings everybody here to Veslo, so just uh, make sure uh, to know that. Uh, one question I do want to ask you, f- for those that want to come here to the bar and experience a Croatia soccer match, when would you suggest those people come to the bar? For example, the game is around 4 o'clock tomorrow, 4 o'clock p.m. What would you suggest people to come through if they want to um, at least either have a seat or have some room? If you want a seat, you got to be here at 11 a.m. when the doors open. <laughs> and if you're not here at 11 a.m.? Well, you're going to be standing up, which is okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, once again, Mirella Rossini, the owner of the bar Veslo, uh, joining us on a lot of sports talk. Um, a lot of Croatian-Americans and Croatians uh congregate here. Uh, Croatia and Brazil will play in the World Cup tomorrow to open uh, the World Cup. Have you thought about how this place and this neighborhood will be after the game if in the event that Croatia beats Brazil in Brazil uh, to begin the World Cup? Have you envisioned how this place will be at around 6 o'clock p.m. tomorrow if that result were to happen? I think this place is going to be, a story in general, is going to be as loud uh, at 6 a.m. as it is going to be at 6 p.m. It's going to be insane. It's going to be insane. Everyone's going to be out. The, 
in cars honking their horns, uh, waving flags. It's going to be an amazing, amazing experience for everybody. Uh, one thing I did want to ask you, uh, while a lot of people will watch the Brazil-Croatia game, Brazil's uh, country abbreviation is BRA, that's obvious. Both Croatia, uh, depending on the feed people will watch, it'll either be CRO or it'll be HRV. And I guess for those that see HRV and are trying to connect HRV with Croatia, I think you can uh, be the missing link on that. I guess that's part of the name in your dialect, HRV, correct? Uh, HRV stands for Hrvatska. That's how we pronounce it. And another thing that I did notice about being here at the restaurant and being here at the bar, uh, the passion that you guys have, not just for sports, but for your fellow Croatian to your right um, and to your left. Just uh, elaborate a little bit about the passion you guys have. It's almost as if you guys wear, uh, as Croatians, you guys, I shouldn't just say that, you guys, uh, you wear your emotions on your sleeve. So describe your personality um, a little bit. We're very emotional people, and we... Where do you think your emo- Where do you think those emotions come from? Comes from our family, yeah. our family, our parents, our grandparents. Um, what about them? They. We were raised in a very in very loving environments. Uh, our parents, when they were growing up back home, they they didn't have much, and coming here into this country, they kind of appreciate what they had back there and they're trying to influence us in that way and that influence I'm trying to bring into my own family here uh, into my own kids and you actually have a charity event that you uh, guys did that was sports related golf related is that correct yes we're actually getting into golf here (laughs) (laughs) did you ever think you would get into golf (laughs) no but we love golf We've uh, we've hosted now the um, Croatian golf outing. It's been 11 years. We've made so much money, and we've given a lot of it to charity. We've given to the um, the American Heart Association. We've given to various cancer associations. Uh, we've given to families in need. Um, certain we've given to. Uh, Back home, we sent money for demining Croatia, mm. and that was amazing. We did that for a bunch of years, and now, right now, we're collecting money for the flood victims in Croatia and Slovenia. Mm. Uh, where is that uh, golf outing? It's in the North Hills Country Club in Long Island. Mm. And that has to be just one of the most special events of the year for you guys here at the bar and having that golf outing, correct? Yes, it is. We're very proud of it. Now, one last question I do have to ask you. Um, with Brazil and Croatia playing tomorrow, you have to end with a prediction. Okay, who's going to win? All right, maybe you can give us a score. All right, but you have to tell us uh, who's going to win in the game. You think Brazil's going to win? Hrvatska is going to win. That's what I expected. Mirella Rossini, thank you so very much for joining us. It has been a pleasure. The owner of the Bar Veslo, if you want to come through, it is on Broadway in the Astoria section of Queens. Mirella, thank you so very much for joining us. Actually, I need to ask you specifically what the address uh, of this place is. 3211 Broadway in Astoria. All right. Be here tomorrow, Croatia and Brazil. Mirella, thank you so very much for joining us, and it's been a pleasure. We'll talk with you down the road. Thank you. Come to that slow. <laughs>
As you've heard before, there are several storylines that will dominate the 2014 FIFA World Cup in Brazil that gets started on Thursday. And one of the storylines that will emerge and has emerged, at least in the past couple of years leading up to the 2014 FIFA World Cup, are protests and demonstrations. Now, according to the World Bank, Brazil is the seventh largest economy in the world, judging by the gross domestic product rankings. But despite that, among developed countries, as denoted by the CIA, Brazil ranks number one in income inequality. And that's despite a recent surge a few years ago, which lifted millions of Brazilians out of poverty and into the middle class. And joining us right now on the A Lot of Sports Talk podcast, we are joined by Peter Azen. He is a filmmaker based in New York City, but born and raised in Brazil, spent the first almost 20 years of his life in Brazil. He joins us right now for his perspective on the World Cup in Brazil and Brazil, uh, the country as well. And First of all, Peter, thank you so very much for joining us. How are you doing uh, today? Hey, I'm very good. Thank you very much for this interview. Oh, no problem. Um, my first question to you is, with the World Cup starting on Thursday, 3 3.30, um, and you've been pretty mm-hmm. outspoken about uh, the country of Brazil and hosting the World Cup. Uh, my first question to you is, Will you be watching uh, at three thirty? And if you are watching, or even if you're not, what are you going? What are going to be your thoughts um, at around the time the World Cup gets started on Thursday afternoon? I won't be watching it. Uh, I am boycotting it um, for various reasons, and I am not watching, and like I am not supporting. Brazil in this World Cup. As much as I love my country, and I, I, I'm not like a, you know, I'm not like, oh, I'm anti-Brazil. I was born and raised over there, and it's like, and I, I love the people. I, I love, like, the warmth of, I'm from Rio originally, and I grew up in, like, two completely, like, different sides of Rio, and it's it's a beautiful place with, like, amazing people, but... um I think that this World Cup was a big mistake for the country, and uh, it just enhanced like corruption in Brazil. And it's—I um, don't know. I think that uh, if Brazil wins, uh, people are just gonna be like alienated again, as they were like two years ago, and uh, everything will be the same thing. So the main reason you're boycotting is the corruption, um, and the corruption is not only with uh, the Brazilian government, I'm guessing, but with FIFA as well? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the corruption is also with FIFA, but um, a lot of it is uh, the Brazilian government have a big blame to it as well. Like, um, the in Rio, they brought like they brought down the Maracanã stadium which is like the stadium I grew up going to with my father with my uncles with like you know it's like uh it's it's a home stadium of my team Flamengo and that's like one of my biggest passions is Flamengo and um we they brought it down so they can rebuild it and they made it like worse for the people they they made it like more expensive and every single person that went to both complained about it. But now it's kind of like, 
it's it's like a, a better like it's a more like it's more for foreigners to come to Brazil and be like oh look at this at the same time after the world world cup they are like bringing the state the the field and the surroundings of the field down again to rebuild the that whole section for the Olympics and then the the stadium will be like not working for another like two three years because of that just because like uh, like these companies that do these constructions they pay the state of Rio to do like all these like different um, uh, constructions so they, they can you know like get more profit to them and then the government spend more while this money should be going to education and hospitals and that's like the big thing in Brazil right now we have like our education is like one of the lowest in the world and uh, our hospital system even though like we have great public hospital system it like lacks a lot of things uh, we, we, like I, I know I have friends and they my mom is a doctor I have friends that are doctors and Sometimes they don't have gloves in the hospital because they're lacking money while like people like up there are getting like loads of money and I don't know. So uh, it's not only FIFA, but uh, FIFA is definitely like to blame in, in a lot of things. And like there's a lot of things going on with FIFA and a lot of corruption was caught and I don't know. But it's, I think it's a whole thing, you know, you join like FIFA, which is one of the most corrupt companies, like corporations or whatever you can you call it, institutions in the world, with the Brazilian government, which is also extremely corrupt. So it's it's tough, you know. Uh, once again, joined by Peter Azen, filmmaker based in New York City, uh, Brazilian-born and a Brazilian native. I do want to ask you, you talked about uh, some of the conditions with uh, hospitals and some roads as well, as I've read a couple of reports mm -hmm. in different parts of uh, Brazil. When was the last time you were down in Brazil? I went to Brazil last year. I was. Uh, I usually go once a year, usually during like, our summer, which is winter in Brazil, but Rio was... It's good weather all year alone. So, um, yeah, last time I went there was May last year, and I was planning to, in going now, but the prices are, like, absurd, so I'm going to go after this, after the summer, probably around September. Mm. And, uh... Can you describe, like, I guess, some of the conditions that you saw when you were down there last, at least compared to yes. uh, the time you were growing up? Yes, I can. Uh, Rio de Janeiro in, um, in the 90s was a really rough place. There were areas of Rio which were pretty dangerous. In the 2000s, it got better. Like, a lot got better. And it became, like, safe. Like, a few of, like, the last times I went there, I was walking with cameras on the street. While, like, in the 90s, if you start walking with a camera in the street, like, someone will, like get it from you and run away. Or, but uh, the last time I went there, it was dangerous again. And throughout this year, I hear all my friends and family complaining that it's only getting worse. The thing is that the, the real, at least in, I, I, I can't say about like other cities, I'm talking about Rio because that's my hometown. Yeah. 
and uh, the state of Rio. And uh, there's a lot of factors involved, but the thing is that they are, like, destroying all, like, the poor housing around the stadium. And, and like, in, in, like, more, like, tourist areas, they're destroying all these, like, the people that, you know, underprivileged people, and they build all these houses, and the government didn't do anything for years and years and years. And these people, they've been there for, like, some of them for their entire life. And now the government goes there and they destroy all these houses because of the World Cup and because tourists are coming to Brazil because of it and, you know, they want to look good. So uh, there are more homes in Rio than, like, everyone is telling. I don't know the statistics correctly, but everyone that I know that is in Rio, and the last time I went there, I, I noticed there's a lot more homeless people than ever in Rio, and violence is just escalating, like, yeah. really rapidly. Wow. And you would say there is a direct correlation between uh, the World Cup being staged in Brazil and the announcement that uh, Brazil would host the World Cup in 2014. I believe the announcement came in uh, 2007. Uh, there's a direct correlation mm -hmm. between that announcement and the violence um, picking up and some of the other th uh, things in Rio deteriorating, that there's a direct correlation between the announcement of the World Cup and the preparations and the violence increasing. I believe so. I believe so. That's my opinion. Yeah. I believe that uh, a lot of the violence escalated because uh, they decided that they need to clear all these areas for the um, so that tourists can come over. And um, in the beginning, you know, like they, they had like all these like crazy, like like kind of like a drug traffic wars where like army the army and our SWAT, SWAT team the elite squad how we call it Bopi and uh, they were going in the favelas and they were like trying to hunt but they were just like like pushing all the like the drug lords away and the guys are still there but they're just like not on those areas and a lot of people got homeless a lot of people like lost their families like children lost their families and they are, they're growing up, and they're, you know, they saw what happened years ago. So, uh, like, 2007 was, after 2007, or like probably around 2009, was when all these started happening. I remember I was in Brazil, and, uh, and these started happening. And, uh, you know, it's like, you have all these problems happening, and the uh, Brazilian World Cup is more expensive than the last three World Cups together. And even though, like, the government in the beginning was like, oh, it's all, like, um, private money, so but like, we, like, it's, we're proven that they're using public money for the World Cup. So it's all, like, taxpayers' money. And uh, there's a, a few, like, private money, but, you know, like, and Brazil needs a lot other things right now and not to spend all this money and this event that, you know, God knows when it will bring, like, the money back, you know. And um, there's one thing also, like, in, I, I go a lot to Munich. I'm going to Munich in three weeks, and I, I'm going to be in Germany for the World Cup. Yeah. 
for the final at least. Yeah. And um, I'm gonna go there for for to the Munich Film Festival and a few few things. But uh, in the Olympics in Munich, they build a massive uh, like sports center, Olympic center, and uh, the people still use that center. Like nowadays, it's like public swimming pools. You know, it's like public. There's like uh, indoor football stadiums. There's, it's like a beautiful thing that people go there and they they. It's it's one of the tourist attractions of Munich, yeah. and it's like the, the the people use it a lot, and it's very helpful for the population. Brazil, they did the Pan American Games a few years ago, and that's all decaying now. Mm. Those areas, like the the everything they built for it, like no one, it's not being used. It's you know, and I'm pretty sure that a lot of the same things will happen with Brazil. Like they built like this incredibly huge and expensive stadium in the Amazon, and there's no big teams over there. You know, you don't have a, 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 a big team in the league or in Brazilian Cup that comes from that area of Brazil. Yeah. Like, I think we have a team in the third division. So, it's, you know, it's, it's tough. Yeah. And just to clarify, that team that you're talking that area you're talking about is Manaus in the Amazon, correct? Yes. Okay. Manaus. Yes. And, uh... And for perspective, you talked about the stadium that was used for uh, the Olympics in Munich, uh, just for a little bit of perspective. That's the stadium back in 1972 for the 72 Olympics that people are using yes. today um, as sort of a recreation center. Um, that's 40 years uh, since the Olympics. So, yeah, um, and people still use it, and it's still like in perfect space, and, you know, and you can go there, like, you go there, like, any time, you know, they have indoor swimming pools, like, and people are, like, just there training, and, you know, it's, it's, like, it's, like, 40 years old, over 40 years old, and it's still, like, perfect, and so, uh, it's, it, like, especially in, in, like, you know, like, a country that is called Brazil doesn't have that problem, of, but there's a lot of, like, people, kids that don't have a future and they could use like a, a sports facility. So uh, I think that instead of uh, of doing what Brazil is doing, they could take that route and that would, I would be in favor of the World Cup and the Olympics if they actually did the same way that the Germans did in the Olympic Games. You know? yeah. Uh, once again, talking with Peter Azen, uh, Brazilian native living in New York City. He is a filmmaker. Um, with the World Cup in 2014, there's also the Summer Olympic Games in two years in Rio in 2016. Um, and I just want to go back to uh, the cost that you said about the World Cup. The, the estimated cost of the World Cup is $11 billion, um, the estimated uh, cost of the World Cup. Do you see, with the Olympics coming in two years, do you see this getting a worse, a whole lot worse before things get better? Um, yes, I think that the estimated cost of the World Cup is already gone. It's, it's that, oh, it's, it's already beyond the, yeah. the estimated cost. It's way above it right now. And, um, the Olympics, I think that, um, 
if Brazil wins the World Cup, the Olympics, the same corruption scheme that was made for the the World Cup will happen again. If Brazil doesn't win the World Cup, I think people will like continue like working and like they they will they will look what will happen again. They won't be as alienated, and they will. I think things might change for the Olympics. So, and, uh, so in a way, that's kind of part of the reason why. Is that part of the reason why you're not rooting for Brazil? That if in the event Brazil were to win, that things might get worse. Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. It's uh, like I wouldn't say worse. It worse because it's already going on that yeah. route. But it will continue going the same way it is. But I think that uh, if Brazil loses the World Cup, people will be like, there's a lot of people that think like me. I know people that are uh, preparing protests for the World Cup since February. And uh, because that's when the, the, every news will be looking at Brazil. So um, a lot of people are, are like, going to be like, outspoken about like their what they you know about like changing Brazil these next few weeks. But uh, if Brazil wins, this is like the one problem. It's like everyone forgets all their problems. Yeah. And uh, and they just like, yeah, okay, Brazil won, let's party, yeah and then it's nothing changes. Uh, what, I've seen that go ahead, sorry. a lot of times. You say you've seen that a lot of times. Yeah. Where if Brazil wins, that uh, all of the ills are masked because of winning. Uh, once again, Peter Azen joining us uh, on a lot of sports talk. Uh, the team itself, uh, just looking at mm -hmm. that scope outside of the other factors, the team itself, uh, do you have any problems with the team itself? Or just it's linked to uh, some of the other things uh, that might happen that won't that might be deleterious to the country. What about the team itself alone? Not really. Uh, there's like a few players that I really like. Like I really like Dante. He is a friend of my family, and um, he's a really really nice guy. And I, I like. I think he deserves. You know, I I, I like Bayern Munich because. Like he, you know, he's like such a nice guy, and, and you know, I don't, I don't have like that much of a problem with the team itself. I think that uh, also usually a lot of times Brazil go to the World Cup being just thinking like, oh, we're the favorites, we're gonna win, and they're really smug. And this year they're not as much like that. They're like thinking, well, we have the the people in our advantage. We have the, 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 the supporters in our advantage, but it's going to be tough. They're going with that mindset. So um, the team itself, I'm not, I don't have that much of a problem. And, um, and you know, they're, like, they did really well in the Confederations Cup last year. So, yeah, I, I have a problem more with the politics yes. behind it. Yes. Uh one question, one last question I want to ask you. Being born in Brazil, raised in Brazil, soccer is such in the fabric of so many millions of uh, Brazilians. And 
all they would want and in on the soccer field is for their country to do so well uh, in Brazil, in their home country, in the world's biggest event, on the world's biggest stage with their national sport. Now you have the politics of it as well that you have to weigh in also. Uh, are you conflicted in any way, given the fact that soccer is one of the biggest exports in the country and it's a part of your life, but given all of the corruption and given all of the things that are happening in Brazil that are deleterious to uh, the society in Brazil, that you won't be a supporter of the team and of the game, which so many people uh, literally live and die for. So uh, those conflicting uh, thoughts, like do you get conflicted too much in not watching but being such a soccer fan and being such a Brazil fan? I'm going to tell you I don't get conflicted, but I'm going to tell you that if it was Flamengo playing, that's my, my soccer team in yeah. Brazil, if it was them playing, I... I probably wouldn't be able to not to watch. <laughs> you know, it's it's like that. That's like I am completely addicted. Mm. I was like one of the founders of the the Flamengo New York cheering, like the the Flamengo Brooklyn cheering squad, Hatao Brooklyn Negra. So I'm like, I think if it was Flamengo playing, I probably I would have like a really hard time. But um, but Brazil, I don't have a problem. Okay. I'm, I don't get conflicted. But and I think a lot of people think that way as well in Brazil. I think that um, there's a lot of like, uh, like I think that the clubs, for a lot of people, are way more like they're stronger than the national team itself. And it seems like yeah, like it, of course they. Like, National team has like more supporters because like everyone kind of supports the national team, but people live and die for their club teams. Mm. Like they like a lot more than the national team. So yeah. the so the passions run deeper for uh, Flamengo, Flora, Corinthians, uh, Sao Paulo, and those teams in the domestic league in Brazil. For those that don't know the domestic league in Brazil, it's like England, like France, uh, the teams and the league inside of the country. So the passions run deeper for Flamengo than it does for the Brazilian national team uh, in Brazil. Yes, yes, definitely. And like I know, like a lot of people that that always always say that. Whenever uh, they support uh, the World Cup comes, and people ask like, "Oh, so you're gonna go support Brazil?" and people just like make jokes saying like, "I would, I, I would only not support Brazil if they were going against Flamengo," you know. For example, it's like it's hard to translate, but it makes more sense in Portuguese. But yeah, no, I think that the passions run deeper. I remember the World Cup that Zico uh, was. Zico is a famous football player from Flamengo, and for me, he's like God. And uh, he's like the greatest player of all time, in my opinion. And um, I remember when Zico uh, was the coach for Japan in the World Cup. I was in Brazil, and there were a lot of... I, I was supporting Japan as well in that World Cup. And there was a lot of people walking around Brazil with uh, a shirt, which is like half of the shirt is a Flamengo shirt, half of the shirt is a Japan national team shirt. 
Wow. So it's like people are really hardcore about clubs, club teams in Brazil. Uh, Peter Azen, filmmaker in New York City, a Brazilian-born, Brazilian native. Uh, Peter, we can't thank you enough for sharing your thoughts uh, on the World Cup and on the country of Brazil and its people um, and the effects of the World Cup and the Olympics uh, in the country. Peter, thank you so very much for joining us. Uh, we'll talk with you down the road and make sure that um, if you cross, Peter, um, Make sure to root for Flamengo, okay, in the Brazilian yes. League. Okay, no Corinthians, no Sao Paulo, Flamengo, Flamengo, Flamengo. Yes. <laughs> All right. All right. Peter, again, thank you so very much for joining us right. for your insight, and we'll talk with you soon. Thank you. Have a nice night. Bye-bye. I think you can tell from that interview that the passion for soccer just bleeds uh, and sweats through the pores of Brazilians. Uh, we thank Peter Azen so very much for providing his insight and his outlook in terms of the 2014 FIFA World Cup and aligning himself with many of the other Brazilians who are boycotting uh, the 2014 FIFA World Cup. So we thank Peter for sharing his thoughts. And we also thank Mirella Rossini for opening her doors to us and talking about Croatia the soccer team in Croatia, the country and Croatia, its people. So we thank Mirella so very much uh, for her insight as well. Uh, that'll just about do it for episode number six. Now, episode number seven next week will be a little bit more of a balanced podcast as per usual. We'll have an athlete, we'll have some fans, we'll have a sports journalist, but during the next month, as the FIFA World Cup goes on, we will continue to have interviews like the one you just heard with Mirella. Fans of other countries in the FIFA World Cup and their take as well. So today was Croatia. Next week, who knows? It could be Mexico, could be Cameroon, could be Nigeria, could be the good old US of A in terms of talking FIFA World Cup soccer and FIFA World Cup fandom. Uh, so we thank you so very much for listening to us and joining us for episode number six. And as we leave you, we're going to strike up that song once again that you heard at the very beginning of the show, Ole. Ole, ole, ole. I can't get enough of that song. So we will see you for episode number seven, okay? You take care and have yourself a great weekend. Bye-bye. <laughs>